This is a trip. Guest speaking here today after being away for so many years. Now, I've, I've visited several times over the past 20 years, all right? And usually, here's what happens. Usually, your pastor, Jim, will, at the end of the service, somehow find where I'm at, and he'll, Brandon, do you want to pray for us? Every time, even if I look like I don't want to pray, or maybe I was asleep or, or didn't listen to anything he said, he still is calling me out. So the tables are turned today, all right? Teens, ah, yeah, somebody's getting picked out today. So keep your ears on, all right? You're going to need it, all right, if you know what's good for you here. But, man, I'm so blessed to be here today. I'm very nervous, too, okay? I, I told someone in Sunday school this morning, like, I feel really shaky even. It's weird. But I, my mom made some coffee this morning, and she's made, like, a quadruple espresso or something. I was just like, ah, I'm really feeling it. <clears throat> but but uh, this church has meant a whole lot to me and my family, over the years. And if you don't already know who I am, my name is Brandon Blackford. And uh, yeah, right now you're wondering, how many Blackfords are there? <laughs> like the whole stage of Blackfords over here, they're sprinkled throughout everywhere. You can't get away from us. So I think there's like, there was possibly 24 of us here this morning, Blackfords. That's pretty cool. Might fill up a whole section someday. But um, our family has always gone to Grace Baptist. Um, I, I even refer to it in Toledo often, even, even now I'm, I'm going to my home church, my hometown church. Like I still feel that way. Strangely after half my life has not been here. Um, but because I grew up in this church, the, the first 20 years of my life, I had Sunday school here, right? I mean, a lot of different Sunday schools, different than they are now, by the way. Uh, I attended VBS here. You know, I went to church camps here with Nathan Brynick and Denver Smith. Ugh. Yeah, I'll spare you the stories of Denver, but I remember one time I got beat up pretty good by Denver. He wasn't even trying. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was bad for me. Uh, but, uh, but I even wrote down in my notes for some reason I was in Wade's wedding. That didn't happen. I don't know why that got in here. But I was like 15 or something. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, that creeped in. Mom, did you write this? Okay. I think she wrote Ty's sermons, but um, anyway, I don't think that really happened. Uh, you know, I sat under Pastor Jim's preaching for several years, and uh, my wife Emily and I were both baptized in the other auditorium, and, and we were even married here um, 17 years ago, I think. Uh, but the church has meant so much to us, and, and I'm sure it has to you also. But, but then I moved away to Toledo when I was 20, much to my mother's displeasure uh, still. Uh, but I, I've been living in Toledo for 20 years now. <clears throat> and in Toledo, we've been blessed with three kids. And I've got the three kids today. So at least I brought something with me. Uh, I've got uh, Mara, who's 13. She's a beautiful young lady right down here. If anybody wants to say hey to her, she's turning red as we speak. And uh, I've got Max, who's 11. He's somewhere over there. He's the future NBA star, so watch for him on ESPN, I guess. And then we've got Faith, who was our surprise gift from God, and we're very happy to have her. But uh, she's, she's eight, and so she's over there hopefully paying attention, right, Faith? Yeah. But God's been doing some crazy work in my family's life in, in Toledo, and today is very interesting and very scary and a very exciting step for me. 
So preaching here, where I first learned several, if not, I probably could have learned all of them, but I've learned several foundational biblical principles that I know today at this church. And so I don't know if all of you know this or not, but there aren't many churches like this. I would even venture to say that you could drive 100 miles and not find a church like this. And, and I know because I drove 100 miles. I drove like 106 miles to get here. And my church is just over 100 miles from here. And, I mean, what a blessing you guys have to have a church that holds the word of God as high as it does uh, week after week. And so it's, it's changed my life. It's changed the life of a lot of my family members. And I, I know several individuals here that it's, it's changed their lives too. So I just want to thank you. have a, something very special going on here. And I, I pray the Lord will continue to bless the ministry of Grace Baptist Church to, to Sydney and surrounding area. So thanks, Grace Baptist, for letting me come here. Um, and um, the privilege of learning all the things I've learned has come full circle. And here I, I get to share a little word with you today. And this is actually, this is, this is only like my sixth time preaching, okay? So, well, seven, if you count the, the one I did in Africa. That was more me just talking in the translator preaching, but... Um, I want to tell you a small story before I open God's word, though. So, but let's pray real quick and uh, ask God to bless this meeting this morning. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for these people who have um, eagerly waited Sunday because they know this is a day where your word gets opened and they, they get to hear truth from it and uh, they get to just take that um, special um, word from you and, and use that throughout their week. Lord, I pray that they would be blessed this morning with what they hear, not because I've said it, but because you've written it in your word, Lord. And I pray that uh, their hearts are ready to receive it and that I wouldn't do any injustice to the, the text this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this year, uh, so last time this year, the, the, last year this time, okay, uh, I was in Malawi, Africa. And uh, that was my first real missionary trip. Uh, and I was just getting to observe um, a 10-day pastor's conference. Uh, it was like a circuit that Mark Trotter puts on. You guys know Mark Trotter, right? All right, I'm going to drop some names so that I actually f- feel legit up here. So Mark Trotter, right there, I said it. Uh, he, uh, it, was a, it was the uh, circuit that he puts on. And, and uh, there was about 700 to 1,000 pastors in this conference that we went from village to village to village uh, throughout the 10-day conference. And my pastor, Brett Bartlett, uh, he wanted me and a couple other men from our church um, to, to go on these conferences to, to learn and observe and, uh, and, and hopes that our church one day, Wildwood Baptist Church in, in Lambertville, Michigan, uh, would, would be able to adopt a little village of its own and, and teach those pastors how to uh, preach the word and how to study the word. And um, so... That, that place is called Chihuahua, by the way, and so we've been going back to Chihuahua. And I actually have a buddy who leaves tomorrow, Caleb, uh, and if you're praying for that conference and the things that are going on with what's Mark's uh, health issues at the moment, uh, pray that, you know, there's still, there's still a lot of work to be done over there and they're going to go do it. Um, but that, they leave this Tuesday uh, to go back and, and do another round of, of teaching and preaching. And so we take turns every four months, me and these other couple guys, we go every every four months and, and teach. And so I was able to undergo some intense training with, with Pastor Brett uh, over uh, after that trip and uh, was able, able to return with two other people from our church last November, which was, I can't believe it's only three months ago. Um, 
but but this time I, I was I wasn't there just to observe. With all the training I had gotten uh, or had been given, I don't know if I received it all at the time yet. But uh, just last November, uh, I was able to to share the book, this book, with with people in Africa, uh, with adults, with children, with sick people, people incarcerated, people dying literally in the room while we're preaching, um, and uh, you know. If you could believe, I was actually allowed to teach one of the keys of Bible study, one of Mark Trotter's keys of Bible study to about 75 pastors, all right? Now, Mark Trotter's keys of Bible study, you guys know what this is, right? I'm not, okay, so the craziest thing is that uh, Mark Trotter himself was actually in the room while I was preaching it. And so you talk about nerves, right? I'm teaching Mark Trotter's own material to him, and he was there like, giving me the big bro smile, like, bro, it's good. And I'm like, I have to use the restroom. Like, this is bad. But uh, that trip wasn't just about teaching that key or, or, or impressing Mark Trotter, which is impossible. Uh-huh. Uh, but it, we, were, we were able to um, share the gospel with over 1,000 people. And about 550 of those 1,000, I would say, accepted the Lord. And uh, as their savior and uh, we're plugged into every village has a pastor and every village has a church. And so um, we, we had the pastors there that they were plugged into. And, and, you know, that that discipling of those people is going on even today. Uh, but this was this was, you know, just three months ago. And when I returned to the States. I told my wife, I said, you know, we share the gospel here in the States. <clears throat> I mean, we could do this for the rest of our life. And I might not even see 50 people get saved. I mean, that's just the reality here in America, in the States, right? I mean, it is a hard word for people to swallow. It's offensive, the, the name of Christ, right? And in, in Malawi, it was so easy. It's like you, you said Jesus Christ to somebody, and, and they're like, I'd like to know that guy. Who is it? And they're like, can I get saved? And you're like, uh, I guess I'll get my Bible out and say and lead you to the Lord uh, if you want. It's It was almost that easy, but... Man, so it started some thinking for my wife and I and my family. And, you know, people are still hungry for the, for the word of God. Even here, they're hungry for the word of God. They're just prideful and they're in the way. And we need to, and we need to share with them anyways. Um, but God started opening doors of utterance for me and my family after that last trip to the point of, here's the big thing that I won't talk about today, but I'll, I'll just mention it. <clears throat> We've committed as a family <clears throat> to move to Hungary in Europe in three years. And so I think Pastor Jim kind of said that to you guys not so long ago, and so I won't belabor that point. But um, I want to plant a church. I want to go over there and get a job and meet people and lead them to Christ and disciple them and then lead them to Bible study. And then one day we're going to have too many people at the Bible study, and I'm going to be like, I guess you guys just have to listen to me on Sunday. I'll just do it one on Sunday. Everybody come, and hopefully we got a room like this in a few years after I get there. Uh, but what an amazing opportunity for me to perform a work of faith over there and a labor of love and a peace of hope in Jesus Christ that, that I'll be able to have here in three years and my family will be able to touch people's lives. And um, this is the type of life-changing development that the Word of God has done in me in, in less than less than one year from going on my first trip to Africa to my second trip teaching and, and, and saving souls. And now I'm just like, I, can't, I just got to go do this. I can't stop doing it. So uh, some of you might be saying, well, that's great for you. <laughs> uh, what about, how's this helping me for my Monday? 
can't get through the week with you talking about Africa and Hungary, right? Well, that's a great question, okay? How can you and I have an opportunity like that again or even for the first time for some of us? Hmm. So what we're going to do, we're going to turn to our passage for the day. It's First uh, Thessalonians. I'm going to have a hard time saying Thessalonians with, without getting some water. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. So go get that. I'll find it here too. I'm going to read it while you're turning there. <clears throat> For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. But even after that, we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi. We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor of guile. <clears throat> but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God would trieth our hearts. And uh, this is going to be the main passage that we're working through. But while I'm going through the next section, I want you to grab uh, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. And I do like the way Pastor Jim introduced to me, like, there's so much scripture going on in this church. And this is how our church operates up in, up in Toledo also. But uh, if I could get about 50% of the Bible in my message, then I, I can't mess it up really. So I'm just going to, I'm going to be going to a lot of passages and reading a lot of stuff here. But um, so 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So what I really want to talk to you about this morning is our entrance unto people not being in vain. Okay. I titled the message, a grand entrance. I apologize. No screen, no notes. I don't know how you guys usually do it, but you're just going to have to use your ears to, to follow along with this one. But uh, our entrance not, or unto people not being in vain. Why is this so important? <clears throat> the encapsulation of our entire life as a Christian comes down to a grand entrance. Paul calls it a glorious entrance into a kingdom. And whatever we do, we must make sure that it's not in vain, which he also states in verse 1 there. We also know that, that this is in reference to what happens immediately after the rapture. So in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, there, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. If we get up to the judgment seat of Christ, after the rapture and our labor has been in vain, our salvation is not at stake, right? But our ability to have a glorious entrance into God's kingdom is at stake. So directly our ability to receive our glorious liberty, which is our resurrected bodies. We want to be able to have a glorious entrance into God's kingdom because we have been able uh, to honor him with gold and silver and precious stone in the form of crowns that we'll be able to lay at his feet. And there's a connection in the Bible between a grand entrance into people then as an ambassador of Christ right now and the grand entrance into Christ's kingdom glory at the second coming of Christ. Okay, so both of these entrances are going to hinge on, on a couple words, both allowed and trust. And in our main text uh, in Thessalonians, it's uh, verse 4 there. So my entrance both into people and into God's kingdom glory has a whole lot more, if you think about it, to do with attitude than it does with aptitude or skill set. And Paul saw that he was allowed, okay, in verse 4, as an incredible privilege to speak, And yet he says that, that this ability God gave him, he was put in trust of it. And so it means that uh, he saw it to be a great responsibility. So regardless of your situation, 
you still have been given a great, an incredible privilege and an incredible responsibility to represent Christ. You have. As a matter of fact, obviously, so I'm not a pastor, right? Uh, I'm not a missionary. Well, I kind of wrote in here, maybe not for another three years, kind of, but uh, I'm not even a deacon at our church. I just actually became a Sunday school teacher in December of last year, okay? Uh, but I'm just a guy, right? I'm just a plain old guy. At Wildwood, if they gave titles at Wildwood, Max asked me what my title was. What are, what are you called? Like, I'm not a pastor, right? Uh, I don't know what I'm called. I just said, Guy. My name would be Brandon Blackford Guy. That's it. And just a guy, my, my son would actually say, well, you're actually a bald guy, Dad, because he makes fun of me being bald all the time, which I re- I'm upset about it. One of these days, it's going to get him. But it's this understanding that unlocks our ability to have a grand entrance into people, okay? Because when we're granted an opportunity like this, you're entering into something whether you know it or not. This is why the Bible calls your opportunities to represent Christ a door of utterance. Because God opens that door for you, and you're supposed to enter into it grandly and not in vain. And it doesn't matter that I'm just a guy, or you're just a guy, or you're just a girl, by the way. Um, But God's plan for you as a saved person is that you have already entered into God's ministry, whether you know it or not. This is actually God's plan that whenever a guy or a girl finds themselves in ministry, because anyone that's saved, by the way, has had a grand entrance into God's spiritual kingdom and into God's ministry, they become a kingdom of priests and a kingdom of ministers. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, any man, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So how specifically does this manifest itself? Because the truth of the matter is that we don't know how, how does any man become a new creature? We don't know how that really works uh, if we don't keep reading the verses around it. And so, so if any man be in Christ, the next word is in verse 18, and... All things are of God. Here's the specific manifestation. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us uh, to us the ministry of reconciliation. So anybody who is saved has had a grand interest in the ministry. Pastor Jim, Andy, missionaries, Sunday school teachers. You know, these are not the only people who are charged with ministry, okay? I think we really have a hard time understanding that. The leaders of this church aren't the only ones charged with ministry. And by the way, Pastor Jim knows this. He's he's not even intimidated by this. The fact is his whole ministry that he does is dedicated to waking up his congregation to that fact. That it's not his church. It's God's church. It's not him who's who's tasked with only preaching the word. Every, Every one of us are. And he knows that he's not the only one charged, and he wants you to know it, and he wants you to accept it, and he wants you to act on it. You're an or, you are an ordained minister of Christ, and you are to have a grand entrance unto people because you already have, have had a grand entrance unto ministry. And, and this is because you've had a grand entrance into God's family, okay? And all this puts you in a position of incredible responsibility and incredible 
privilege for you to walk through the doors of utterance now in this life, giving you the ability to have a grand entrance into God's kingdom glory later. All right. Those two are always connected. Get this today. Those are connected. The way you enter into people now in the way that you enter into God's kingdom later. Okay. The whole thing is, uh, is learning how to have a grand entrance in that your labor won't be in vain here. So how can we know that? How can we know that our labor is not in vain? It's a horror, terrible for you to work your whole life and to find out that your labor was in vain. Wouldn't it be? You've done your devotions every day. I mean, you, you don't even do five minutes of devotions. You, you actually do 15. Well, you're doing something. You're, you're laboring here. You served in the church. You spent your whole life laboring for the things of God. But your whole life wasn't gold and silver and precious stone. But it was wood and hay and stubble. And that would be the real horror, right? What a tragedy when we get to the judgment seat. We find that we labored in vain. Because we didn't understand that the grand entrance into people was the work that gives us the grand entrance into God's kingdom. So how can we do that? How can we labor to gain gold and silver and precious stone? Well, we already made a big deal about another conjunction in in Corinthians, the word and, but it turns out this whole chapter in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 starts with another conjunction, the word for. And when you see the word for or wherefore or therefore, you have to ask yourself, what's it there for? All right. And the answer is always the part that comes right before it. Okay. So I told you guys I was getting trained, you know, I was, I was doing some training, getting ready for teaching and preaching and whatever. And I'm going to show off a little bit. Okay. Ready for this? You're going to take this. You're going to like this one a lot. Probably not at all, but anyways, I'm going to say it. <laughs> okay. The part that comes right before chapter two, you know what that is? Here it is. Chapter one. Got it. I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget, but that's it. So what we're going to do, we're going to go back to chapter 1 and see what this 4 is there for in chapter 2, okay? So First uh, Thessalonians 1, 1. All right, I'm going to read this whole deal. <clears throat> Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience and hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but, it, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place of your faith, or every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show us, show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which has delivered us from the wrath to come. <clears throat> so here's how you can ensure that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 
Here's how you can ensure that you've had a grand entrance in unto people, okay? When the doors of utterance are opened unto you. Paul didn't consider himself to be the guy, okay? In verse 1, Paul, what's the next word? And, Silvanus, what's the other one? And Timotheus, under the church of the Thessalonians. So he considered himself one of three guys, not just himself. He's part of a team. And he understands that it's not just the one man doing the work to build his church, but it was a team effort. And, and what was so great about the church of Thessalonica? Why was Paul always giving thanks? Why, why did this church seem so different than Corinth? Well, verse 2, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Well, there's three things that he lists that causes him to give thanks to God for them. Okay, so in verse 3, remembering without ceasing, here it is, your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. So normally what pastors do when they're preaching uh, is that when they try to take apart a text, they, they build up some sense of, anticipation and they don't give it away until the very end right and, and then they they try to maintain some interest and then and then they reveal it finally and then you guys can go right since i'm not a pastor though and i have no idea what i'm doing up here right uh i'm just going to do something else i'm going to do the big reveal now okay and then we can get out of here and go to lunch and beat everybody else to arby's or wherever we're going okay um actually listen i'm going to casano's so uh, y'all need to go somewhere else. I ain't waiting in line. Okay. I'm getting there noon. Mom, you get done. You get the phone. All right. We got to get that table. My wife and I love Casano's. It like, I wonder what brings us here more <laughs> visiting. My parents are going to Casano. I think it might be a tie. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe 51 49. They win. Okay. Anyways, I want, I want to show you guys this, the kind of a trick. Okay. And this isn't like it's going to be a little more complex than the chapter one coming before chapter two trick. This one's a real one, okay? So pay attention to this. Um, Paul's technique when he writes, he does something a lot when he writes uh, his letters. And, and he likes to give his terms and lists, okay? And then after he, gives, uh, after he does that, he gives details about what he's going to talk about. And then after that, he would reveal what you should understand from those uh, terms or that list by the details that he gives. So he's very calculated in how he writes. So let's see how Paul does this in our text. What do we need to do? Why was Paul so pleased? What was he always giving God thanks for? Well, again, we just outlined it there in verse 3. But number one, they had an unceasing work of faith. If you're taking notes, this will be the part that you can actually start using your pen, I suppose. An unceasing work of faith, they had an unceasing labor of love, and they had an unceasing patience of hope in Jesus Christ. And they understood that while they were doing that, somebody was watching them in verse 3. The sight, in the sight of God our Father. Okay? And there's Paul's terms, those three things. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to skip a bit of the details and, and go all the way down to the end of the chapter uh, where Paul actually defines those terms and gives us a little bit about those. Okay? So First um, Thessalonians 1.9. For they themselves show, show us of what manner of entering we had unto you. And how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So Paul's entrance wasn't in vain. And he knows this from what? From the response to his ministry. 
the response he gained from their, from their church. Your response to my preaching today determines whether my preaching was in vain or not. Right? I'm not talking about when I tell a funny joke about Casanos and everybody participates with making me feel good that it was funny. Thanks, by the way. I, I'm not talking about that. Your response to the, to the word of God and what I brought to you means a whole lot of whether or not my labor was in vain today. And what was their response in Thessalonica? Verse 9, how ye turn to God from idols. That is the work of faith in our lives after we receive salvation, that we turn to God from idols. But they didn't only turn to God from idols, but then they began to, verse 9, serve the living and true God. And you know what the serving, you know what that is? That's the labor of love. And then lastly, Paul writes in verse 10, wait for his son from heaven whom we raised from the dead, even Jesus. And guess what that is? It's patience of hope in Lord Jesus Christ. So now let's look at these three points a little more in depth, okay? So now we know what they are. We can know a little bit about what he's talking about when he says these three things. Now we're going to learn, we're going to learn what he's got to say about it. So the work of faith, which is turning to God from idols. We understand that the world, the flesh, and the devil, they're always trying to keep us from God. I have three beautiful children, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Mara, Max, and Faith. And I secretly sometimes refer to them as the world, flesh, and the devil, too. Uh, only to my wife and here now in this huge auditorium. Uh, but no, seriously, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil, they're always trying to keep us from God. But when you get saved, when you got saved, you were sanctified. The word sanctification, though, doesn't just mean to be set apart. It actually means to be set apart, too. And when you got saved, you were told to separate from the world and from the flesh and from the devil. But after you got saved, the world and the flesh and the devil, they're, they're not finished with you. Actually, matter of fact, they're just getting started with you. Not to take your salvation. We know we can't lose that, right? But to take the realization of your incredible privilege and responsibility and trust of being placed in ministry for Christ. To make sure that you don't have a grand entrance now or a platform even. Those three, the world, the flesh, and the devil, they're going to hound you to the grave to make sure you don't have that opportunity. But what we stop doing or what we separate from doesn't define our genuine Christianity. Spending the, ref, spending the rest of your life not doing this or not doing that or not doing that thing does not ensure that your labor is not in vain. We were saved to a person. Amen? This is the best part of our salvation. This is precisely what sanctification is. Uh, verse 9 again. And how ye turned to God from idols. And so when you're sanctified to Jesus Christ and you grab on to his arm that he holds out, that you can cling to Christ with, one arm is the word of God and the other arm is, is, is the people of God. Okay? So when the world, the flesh, and the devil come and try to drag you back, you're not just separated from, but you're separated to. And that's how you have a work of faith, which comes by hearing God's word, okay? And so Romans 10, 17. Let's turn there and look at it. I was going to do a little skit where my three kids came up. And acted like the world, the flesh, and the devil. 
And uh, we're dragging people away from me. It was going to be really weird. I, I, I nixed it here at the last second. Sorry. But uh, <clears throat> Romans uh, ten seventeen. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And young people, you need to know that verse. That's a, that's a good verse. That's a verse to build your life on. So number two, <clears throat> the, the labor of love, which is serving the living and true God. The gospel came not unto you in word only, though, but in power, which is an action word. If you turn to God from idols, you can't just be about the talk. You've got to be about the walk, the action, right? 1 Thessalonians 1.5 again. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. And in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers, walking, followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. So Paul shows us the action that follows our work of faith. And that is to follow in the steps of our pastors and of the Lord. Now, here's the deal. You need to know that if your pastor is not following God, hear this. And hopefully he'll hear this tape, Andy, or you can bleep this part out maybe to save my neck. But if your pastor is not following God, you are absolutely not obligated to follow what he says. If your pastor is not following God, you have no obligation to follow that man. But do you understand the flip side of that coin? That if your pastor is following God, and, and I think we know Pastor Jim well enough to know that this is the coin side that he sits on, and God has directed you to be a part of this assembly, you are absolutely obligated to do what he says to the point of that Hebrew says that you must obey and submit. And if you don't believe me, Hebrews 13, 17, I'll read it here. You can write it down and check it. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your soul as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. So if, if you don't consider yourself a follower of your church's leadership, as Paul uh, did of the Thessalonians, then don't kid yourself that you're actually following God. Don't trick yourself to believe in that lie. Don't tell yourself that you're doing what God wants you to do because, listen, those two things can't be separated. There's no labor you can engage in that's apart from the local New Testament church because that's God's building program for this age without controversy. And this is the other arm of God, right? The people of God. And if you only have a grip on one arm, the word of God, and not the other, the people of God, well, then you've got a loose grip on your sanctification, my friend. You need them both. And this leads us to our third point, the patience of hope, which is the waiting for his son from heaven. We'll go to 1 Thessalonians 1.10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. And what gives us this glorious hope? Let's, let's finish back with our original text, which was after the conjunction for chapter 2, verse 1, okay? I'm just going to look into chapter 2. I'm going to give you some, uh, I'm just going to speed through it. I'm not going to read the verses. Of them, but but uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 2, Paul has to keep his mind 
or keep in mind that they were in ministry and he had to stay focused. In verse 9, his, his treatment didn't affect his enthusiasm. He didn't let his suffering halt, halt what he was, he was setting out to do. Verse 12, Paul wanted to be counted worthy of a grand entrance by overcoming evil with good while suffering and being ministered. So Paul, as in uh, chapter 1, verse 7, is modeling for us not to be just examples, not to just show us what to do, but to be in samples. And, a, and an example is a pattern for someone to follow. And there's a time for that. It's not wrong to do. We need that. I'm doing that with my kids. Will they please pay attention is what I'm asking sometimes. But an end sample is a mold you pour yourself into and you begin to look like that mold. All right? And as you're saved, you become filled with the Holy Ghost. And as you're filled with the Holy Ghost inside the mold of your body, you know what happens to you? You begin to bear the image of Jesus Christ all throughout your being. Not just as an example, but as an end sample. A living and walking and loving and sample of Christ filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's Paul and Silvanus and, Timothy, and Timotheus in our passage today, right? It's those three guys. But here in Sydney, at Grace Baptist Church, is Pastor Jim and the deacons and the teachers. And it's actually, it's actually you. And it's you. And you. And it's you and you. It's all of you. You're all ministers. And with each other, you have the ability to be more than just examples, but to be in samples to people. And then Christ can be formed in you. In Galatians 4.19, I'll just read it here. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Again, Paul saying, I want Christ to be formed in you. Be an example. And even as Christ had suffered and was shamefully entreated and was met with much contention, it doesn't matter that at times you're mistreated. It doesn't matter that at times you're shamefully entreated. You need to shrug that off and you need to do what God has called you to do, no matter how hard it is. Seeing that your ability to be a minister of him as an incredible privilege and an incredible responsibility, you were allowed. You get that? You were allowed to do this thing. It's not like you have to do this thing. You were allowed. You're entrusted. You're put in trust of this. And if you do that, listen, if you have a, a work of faith and a labor of love and a patience of hope, and you submit to the local church and you work as a team, well, you can take this to the bank that at the judgment seat of Christ, as you patiently wait, for the hope of Christ's return, you will not have labored in vain. And you will be able to walk worthy of God who has called you into his kingdom and glory. And to you, that will be an, a grand entrance indeed. Amen. And just as we began talking about the privilege of me going to Africa and ministering to the people in Malawi even, uh, I'd like to just ask you, if you haven't considered that you are indeed a minister of Christ would you start thinking about the opportunities that God has given you through this church to lay up treasures in heaven? Treasures of gold and silver and precious stone. Have you searched the scripture to even know how to gain those treasures? 
how to get gold that lasts through the fire. I encourage you to go look that up. I encourage you to study that out, see what God says about it, so that your entrance into the kingdom can be glorious on that day. You have youth events, camps. You have outreach programs in place. You have, you have a pastor who loves to share the word of God. Even he loves to share the strong meat of the word. Have you taken advantage of that? Do you take every advantage of that? Do you love God's word as much as, as David loved God's word? That it was, that he wanted it more than his necessary food. <clears throat> You all have people in your neighborhoods, right? And families who need faith in Christ. Let's start somewhere. Let's not keep our lights hidden under a bushel. Let's shine for Christ. Let's work together with our brothers and sisters here in this body. Let's start by laboring in love to your community, to your neighbor, not in vain. Let's start moving. Let's start working in faith. Let's not let Satan keep us from doing the one thing that he, that we will not be able to do once we're in heaven. Satan wants to keep us from doing the one thing we can't do after we leave this earth, which is give people the hope of the gospel. Don't let him take that from us. I'm not asking you guys to necessarily consider to move into Hungary. If you want to, come to me afterwards. I want We'll have a chat. I have some space in this place I'm looking to buy, right? I want you there. Uh, but I'm not asking you guys to necessarily consider moving to Hungary or Malawi in order to fulfill your duties as a Christian. I am, though, asking you this. I'm asking you to fulfill your duties as a minister of Christ by actively pursuing people's souls because you've been put in trust with a great responsibility. And so my question to you is, what are you going to do with it?